so we can all sit in meditation. So there's the merit that arises from acts of giving and generosity, and the merit that arises from keeping precepts, and the merit that arises from bhavana, from mental cultivation. And so this is what we've done, done these acts of generosity, and keeping the five precepts and the eight precepts. And now we're coming to sit in meditation, bringing the mind to stillness and to peace. We can see in our lives that when we were younger as children, that if we set our hearts on our studies, then we succeeded in those. And the same is true for our work. If we're intent with that, then we meet with success. But when we have everything to a state of fullness, completion in our lives, and the question can arise, well, what do I do now to make things better? So what we need to do is we need to train our minds so that they become peaceful and so that we gain this happiness within them. Because we have to meet with so many things, so many sense impressions in this world. And if our minds are still thrown into chaos through those, um, then it shows that we don't have much wisdom. In these days, it's even more easier for us to experience these sense impressions than it was before. And before, there weren't so many of them that we could meet with, but now um, the communication technology is so developed. And the people in this world have a lot of great hatred and delusion. And so if we receive these impressions through the news, through various kinds of media, um, then our minds become so stirred up by that. So therefore we need to find some days that we have the time uh, to stop, the time to take up the the precepts, whether the five precepts or the eight precepts, and to train our minds to meet with stillness, to become more pure and to become cleaner. And this is the pinnacle of merit. And so if we cultivate samadhi, the stillness and collectedness of heart, and wisdom, this is the very peak of merit. And we are entering into the heart of the teachings of the perfectly self-awakened Buddha. In these deep teachings that he gave, the stages of wisdom, it's the stage of knowledge and being able to let go of the sense of self so that the heart doesn't suffer anymore. And all people want this kind of happiness, that we want to not attach to anything. But the wisdom that we have is insufficient for that, and our samadhi isn't yet firm. So some people, they aren't moral, and some people have this morality already. But they still need to come to train in samadhi so that it becomes firm. 
So we need to put our effort into that as well. Because our minds, they have these habits within them. And they like to think about many different things, create things and proliferate. And they can start liking this thing and disliking that, become confused and full of doubts, and chasing after all of these sense impressions. They can become hateful and full of ill will, and this can carry on without any end, it just goes on without stopping like this. So therefore to give our forgiveness is something that is difficult because we still have the sense of self. It's still me and mine. We still attach to things that happened in the past as being me, belonging to me. The mind carries on proliferating like this. So as practitioners we need to see the drawbacks in going after these sense impressions, the drawbacks of the mind that is chaotic like this. And so we come to train our minds. In most cultures there's a time or a day of the year where there are ceremonies concerning recollecting ancestors who have passed away. And so in one day of the year we have this, recollect these ancestors, recollect the goodness that they had. And then people ask, well, what can we give them? Well, we can cultivate merit and skillful deeds for them, wishing that if they have happiness now, may that happiness grow. And if they are in suffering, may they be freed from that suffering. And so we have a day to cultivate merit and dedicate it like this. And so in Chinese culture there's a, a day for this, a day for the ancestors, and those who have passed away. And in Thailand, in Burma, and Mon culture, they have this as well. And so for Buddhists, they have a day to recollect their ancestors. And this comes from the time of the Buddha, that King Bimbisara had a relative from a previous life who hadn't yet received any merit or skillful uh, offerings for a very long time. For many ages this had passed. And the king had done a lot of meritorious deeds, but he hadn't dedicated that merit. And so this passed away relative was saddened over this. And this relative cried out, and this cry spread throughout the whole city. Until King Bimbisara, he heard this, and he was afraid. He thought that maybe this cry meant that there will be harm coming to the kingdom. So he asked the Buddha what was happening. And the Buddha said that no danger would come to the kingdom, but this is a relative of yours from the past who wants merit. And so this is the origin of um, that when we create merits, then we dedicate that to relatives who have passed away, uh, to those who have died already, and so that they are freed from suffering, or if they have happiness, that the happiness may grow.
So as Buddhists, if we wait until we die for merit to come to us, thinking that our relatives will dedicate merit to us, well, it's possible that they'll forget to do this. So we should create it ourselves first. So whatever generous acts that we can do, then we should do those. We should keep the precepts and we should cultivate our minds. And when we've been generous, then this will give us happiness of heart. But this happiness is also a natural state of Dhamma. It's something that arises, stays for a while and ceases. And even the happiness that comes from meditation is like that as well. It arises, it stays for a bit, and then it ceases. So we need to do these things frequently. And just like how when we eat food, that we eat our breakfast, and then after a bit of time we use up that energy already. So then we need to eat lunch to refill that energy, and then eat dinner again. Maybe some people just eat once or twice a day, but when their energy runs out, then they get exhausted. So they need to refill that energy, to put in new protein and carbohydrates into the body, and so that the body gains new energy. And so it's like this with the merit that we do. That when we do that, then we experience a fullness and a contentment and a happiness of heart. And then we should recollect that merit. And we can do that all throughout the day. So like when we come to the monastery and do good deeds here, and then you go back home, but you can recollect that goodness, recollect that generosity, those skillful acts of kamma, in order to bring the mind to happiness and joy. And the mind can constantly be in that state through that merit that we do. So we see that people who do these good deeds uh, constantly, then they have a very bright and joyful appearance. They have kindness and they have compassion. And this is even more so if they don't wish for anything in this world, then their appearance um, becomes very bright and joyful. It's like sometimes there are civil servants who think that well, they have enough already. And the position that they're in, the status that they have in their job, well, it's enough already. That if they, if that gets raised, then that's okay. But they're also someone who is content with little. So if they don't get a promotion, then that's okay as well. And their hearts are full as they are right now. And so this inner upliftedness of heart, or this joy of heart, is something that is very important. And it's more important than external position or status. Because it's possible that when we get this, the mind becomes gloomy and sad because it attaches to that. And so those people who attach to that external status just can't compete with those who don't attach. Because the heart is the leader, that we succeed in things through our hearts, through our minds. So we should recollect the meritorious things that 
we've done follow up on those deeds and recall them to our minds. Recall the Bharami of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, bringing the mind to joyfulness. Recollecting the Devas. Recollecting the chanting that we've done, the generosity that we've done. And then the heart can become joyful through this again. Recollecting the precepts that we've taken up today. And the heart can become joyful through that. And so these are the anusatis, the uh, objects of meditation, of recollection. That we recollect, then the heart becomes full. Recollect the merit that we've done. And so the skillful deeds that we've done, these are very great deeds, very good things that we've done. And through them, then, we're building this inner stability and peace. Some people have a lot of external wealth, but they don't recollect their merit. That they just have this wealth and they find happiness in using that wealth. Uh, But for some people, um, they have wealth and then they portion some of that to do skillful deeds, to give that away and receive the happiness that comes from that. And then they recollect the meritorious things that they did last year and the year before that and the years preceding those, whether they were just big deeds or small deeds and their minds become contented and filled with happiness through that. So as we do that, then this merit grows and our samadhi grows as well. And the samadhi is a great form of merit. It's something that's really incredible. When the mind and the body become light, the mind becomes still and at ease through our meditation. And then it can separate out from the body. The body is one thing and the mind is something else. And then when we receive sense impressions, things that are the basis for the arising of greed, hatred and delusion, the mind doesn't follow after those. That The mind can separate out from these impressions, just like oil and water are separated, they're not mixed together. So when the mind is like this, If it becomes stillful, still and at ease, then it can separate out. But if the mind isn't still, then these things mix together as though they're one thing. There's the sense of self, me and mine, and everything just gets stirred up and turns into a mess. So we need to be very cautious, and we need to train our minds. And when we train our minds well like this, then one day they'll gather together into samadhi and wisdom arises. And when we gain an understanding of the Dhamma, then it's even more incredible at this point. And we had thought before that maybe this was impossible to happen, (coughs) that the mind becomes so joyful and happy like this. So the faith that we have (coughs) is something that's very important. It's like today, the Lunar Observance Day. We have the faith to keep the precepts, with the five precepts or the eight precepts. 
to have this sense of composure that brings out peace and happiness. And as lay people, you can keep the five precepts, and this is a quality that sotapanas, that stream enterers, have. That even once returners have this. This is a quality that supports that state. And it's something that's not easy to do, to keep. And so you should be really proud of doing that. Because once returners, sakadagamis, they have this quality of morality, of the five precepts. And when we keep these, then the defilements become thinner and lighter, so they have great benefit for us. So we should be intent on being composed, on keeping these precepts, and then we'll have happiness in our lives at home, happiness with our families and with our children. And that's due to this virtue. Because some people, they have a lot of wealth, but they don't keep the precepts, they don't have this virtue. And what's it like then? There can be so much chaos that all day at home there's just complaints that people shout at each other, they scold one another. There's no peace at home. The husband and the wife fight with one another. There's just little issues that come up and then they get into arguments over them. There's all this chaos there. And they have children and then the husband tries to look after the children one way and the wife in another way. They get into arguments about that. And they don't have happiness because they're lacking in virtue. But if that family has virtue, even though they may not have much external wealth, they just have enough to be able to get by, they can still be very happy. They have this peace and fullness and joy at home. And so as lay people, this is something that we're able to achieve. It's something that the lay disciples of Ajahn Man and Ajahn Chah had done that they had taken these precepts, these five precepts, as their foundation. And this is something that we can do as well. And when we do this, then this becomes a noble wealth for us. And so this is something that has great value. And when we do it, then our hearts become at ease. But sometimes people, they use their wealth to buy external things of value. For example, they buy a car that's worth millions of baht, and they think that when they get that, then they'll be comfortable and happy. But when they get that, then maybe the car becomes broken, and then they suffer a lot. The suffering isn't done with. And this, they get this car, but suffering comes following them too. But if we have virtue, then this is a wealth for us, and a wealth that people aren't able to steal. It's something that truly belongs to us. Because external wealth is still subject to danger. But this internal wealth is far away from danger, so that's why we call it an Arya form of wealth. Something that's far away from the things that can harm it. 
And so those beings who have minds of Aryas, noble minds, these are minds that are far away from the defilements, far away from the things that make them, that pull them down and make them sad. So we should all be intent on our meditation and building up merit and skillfulness. Because these meritorious and skillful deeds are the things that will take us to Nibbana. They lead us into samadhi and wisdom, into seeing conventions and then seeing uh, liberation and freedom. And this is something that's really amazing and something that I want for all of you to experience, for all of you to enter into emptiness, into that state of not-self. All things are empty. And here the mind experiences happiness to another level, and something that is beyond the world. It's lokutara. It's a niramissa sukha. Uh, this great happiness, a happiness above the world. And this is something that the Krubhajans, the great teachers, have practiced and reached already. And it's something that they have taught us to do as well. So may all of you put this into practice so that your heart experiences this kind of joy and so that you meet with these kinds of results. And for myself, when I was a lay person, I was just like everyone here, doing meritorious deeds. I had the faith to offer food to the monks on arms round, to meditate, to chant, to keep the five precepts and the eight precepts on the Lunar Observance Days. And then as my faith grew, I took, kept the eight precepts every day because I didn't have a family. And so people without families, they're able to do that. But for those who do, they can keep the five precepts and then the eight precepts on the Lunar Observance Day, one day a week. And then meditate and chant. And I would chant the Dhammachakapavatana Sutta every day. And so there was this great joy and contentment in my heart. And then the meditation and the samadhi grew. And I put my efforts into that because I really wanted to gain results. I wanted to know what is the state of sotapanna, of stream entry, like? What is that like? And I wanted to get there because I was afraid of hell. Because the mind, it's not a sure thing. My mind would think about this thing and that thing, sometimes have greed, sometimes hate, sometimes delusion. And sometimes there would be bad thoughts in it. And if if I died in a state when the mind was bad, then the mind would drop and possibly go into hell. And there's great suffering and torture in that state, and I didn't want to go there. And so therefore I practiced in order to bring the mind up, to bring it to a state of peace. This is something that the great teachers have instructed for us to do, that has this great uh, benefit for us. They've given us these teachings, they've practiced this way already. And so when we do this and follow this way, 
And then the mind can gather together and we can see all things as being conventions. And see how there isn't really form that's there, that form is emptiness. And when we separate form out, that what we're left with is emptiness. And so therefore emptiness is form. That we normally take form to be a self, to be this and that, but truly that's absent from the form. That form is emptiness. Emptiness is emptiness. But through conventions we take it to be form. That we call it that, but in really it's just emptiness. That when these things come together, when there's light and there's color, then we see a form, it appears in various sizes. But if we pull that all apart, then there isn't anything. So really all of the things that we see, these are like visual tricks. These are forms that we see, but in reality, it's not actually there. In this body, it's the same. We take this body to be a self, but that's through the delusion of the mind. But if we gain knowledge, then we'll see it's just composed of natural elements, that it's not me. It's just that. It's just what it is. And it's really incredible when we see that. And that uh, there can be great peace in the mind at that point. And we see there's really no being there. We see people walk around, but there's no person, there's no being, no individual, no self, no, no other. And so what is it then? If we're going to call it anything, we call the body a biological machine. But really there's no being, no individual there. And so when the mind comes to a state of emptiness, then we can see that, and we can meet with genuine happiness. And so may all of you grow in blessings.